Well, it's been a, a joy to be with you both this morning and this evening. I've um, been enjoying talking with many of you and an excellent lunch as well. <laughs> and, and the music, the singing's been great. I actually got to join the, the choir for a little rehearsal uh, right before the service. That was a lot of fun. I haven't sung with the choir since summer. <laughs> but with, with like a, a, a trained choir since high school, you're, you're training them well. So that was, that was a lot of fun. It's, it's, been, it's been a delight. But uh, think, thinking of all, all that, that music, um, it, it does take a lot of training, doesn't it, to, to get, get to the place where you're actually worth listening to. Um, and voice, voice isn't too bad, but some of the stuff, violin, we, we had a violin here as well. And that, that can sound pretty awful if you, if you haven't put in your, your time with a tuner. Um, takes, takes a lot of, lot of time trying to figure out, you know, where, where do I put my fingers so it doesn't kill everyone's ears? Um, Kurt and I were talking before the service about when he, he picked up French horn in two weeks. It was a, a piston French horn instead of the one like I play, which is more rotary valves. So you can't normally do that. It's, that's not normal. Um, and he, he could do it because he already knew trumpet. Uh, but the, the, the whole point that I'm, I'm trying to make is that it, it takes, takes lots of practice and lots of, lots of repetition, lots of training to get to the point where you want to be. It's that way with music. It's that way with driving a car. Um, it's also that way with with our minds. The the way we think, we can we can train train our minds to think in certain ways at different times in life. And it's also also the way with our hearts. We can we can train ourselves to love what we ought to love. Um, this evening we're going to be in Psalm twenty seven. Um, I. At, at the Wilds, Rand has this, this group of guys that, that'll meet every Monday morning after they go out to different churches. We'll have you know, two or three of us preach on a Sunday. And this, this summer, I, I don't write a lot of sermons, but I, I wrote one on, on Psalm 27 for, for this summer because I was really, really excited about you know, what, I, what God had been showing me from there. And I, I first tried to preach the entire thing. Um, the next time I preached it, I broke it up into, into two halves. And this, you know, tonight, I'm, we're just going to be going over the, the first four verses. So it's kind of a digression down. But hopefully that, that means that we get a little, little deeper into it. Uh, Psalm 27, we'll read verses one through four. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war should rise against me. In this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Let's pray. Father, we do pray that you would turn our gaze to you this evening, uh, help us to, to train our, our minds and our hearts to know you and love you, regardless of what's going on uh, in, in our lives, circumstances you bring upon us. Um, teach us to, to trust you, that we might have confidence to manifest you faithfully to a watching world. For it's in Christ's name. 
Well, uh, Psalm 27 is is set in a, a context of war and enemies and, and struggles, hardships, uh, things that really are, are not not fun to face. Um, you know, David David was a man who was on the run very often, and that that mentality of being a hunted man uh, would have probably had a tendency to to wear him down. And you're always always watching his back, always trying to figure out who's his friends, who's his enemies. It's it's hard to know who you can trust as as someone who's who's a fugitive. You know, anyone might turn him in, and we we read in Kings and Chronicles that people did turn him in sometimes uh, for for a price to try to get get Saul's favor or uh, the Philistines' favor. Uh, but but David had confidence. We we read that in in his psalm here. Um, he, he had confidence in God because of primarily two things. The, the first thing is that he, he knew who his God was and he, he knew how to meditate on who his God was. And then the second thing was that he, he had his affections in the right place. He, he loved what was worth loving. So we're kind of going to follow David's steps there. Um, we're going to look at where God is, spend some time just reminding ourselves of, of who God is and, and why why it is good that we should praise him. And then we're going to look at why, what, what, is, what is it good to love? How can we train our affections to love properly? So first, first who is God? Um, we read in verse one, the Lord is my light and my salvation. And there's, there's, a, lot, there's a lot right there that, that tells us who God is. First, the, the first word, the first Hebrew word, not the, but the Lord. Um, you'll notice that's, that's in all caps in, in most of your translations, uh, which means that that is God's, God's covenant name. That's, that's not saying that, that God is my master. That's saying that, that God is Yahweh, his, his personal name. This is, this is the God, this is the name by which God made himself known to Moses first and then, then to the people of Israel. Um, when when David writes this, the the biggest, the the most dense, I guess, passage that, that packs into this this name is Exodus 34. Uh, Exodus 34, verses five through seven, Moses is up on the mountain and God God covers him with his hand and, and passes by. And the, the Bible says he, he proclaims the name of the Lord. He says, the Lord, the Lord, or Yahweh, Yahweh, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, um, pardoning iniquity and transgression and sin, visiting the iniquity of the transgressors on the, uh, on the children to the, the third and fourth generation. He, he, he packs a lot into the, the statement of, of who he is. This is God revealing himself, saying, this, this is what I want you to know about me. I'm merciful. I'm gracious. I'm, I'm slow to anger. I, I don't blow up in your face. I don't get mad with you quickly. I'm, I'm patient. I, I, I have so much love for you. I'm, I'm abounding in, in this mercy, this, this love. You can't even begin to, to understand how, how deep my love is for you. That's why Paul says uh, that his prayer for the Ephesians is that they would they would understand with all the saints the, the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of, of God's love. This is it's un, unmeasurable. 
But this is this is how God has has revealed Himself to us. So the first place we start with trying to understand who God is is with what He's told us. Um, we're saying tonight, God God has spoken through through creation. We can understand a little bit about who God is through creation, but um, the, the the song says God's whispered through creation. He's spoken through His Word. So His, his Word is where we we see clearly. Um, who, who God is. So starting, starting with that, that covenant name is, is really, really powerful. There's, there's a lot that David can meditate on there about who, who is, who is my God? But then he, he goes on and says, the Lord is my light, my salvation. Uh, if, if you remember from, from English class, that, that word my there is, is a pronoun. It's not just any pronoun. It's a personal pronoun. It's, he's, he's declaring his, his ownership, his, his possession of God. He could have said, God is light and God is salvation. And you know, 1 John 1 15 does say God is light, kind of as, as a general abstract, abstract statement. But David says, yes, God is light, but God is my light personally. God is my salvation. He's, he's, he's not just you know, thinking about who God is abstractly, he's connecting it to, to himself. Because David has a relationship with God. It matters to him who God is because God is his God and he is. God's child. This is this is a theme that, that God has laid out in the first place. Uh, Exodus six, verse seven. He says, "I'm I'm going to call these these people of Israel. They will be to me a people. I will be to them a God." It's this this transaction of of ownership. It, it's like, and God compares Himself to this as well. When when a, a man takes a woman to be his wife, that you you belong to me. I belong to you. That's that's why. God speaks of Israel's idolatry as spiritual adultery because there's there's this very close intimate relationship that hurts when it's broken but is so wonderful when it's there. And that's why David is able to say God God is my God. God is my light and my salvation. And then you uh, you turn over to Revelation chapter 21 and this is actually, so we, we went to Romans 8 this morning, which is one of my favorite passages of scripture. Revelation 21 is one of my other favorite passages of, of scripture. So I get to take you to some of my favorites. That makes me excited. He, he comes back to this, the same concept. Chapter 21 of Revelation, verse 3, says that the tabernacle of God is with men. The tabernacle, the tent, the place where God dwells. God says, I want to live with men i want to live with humanity that i created not only that but he will he will dwell with them they shall be his people they will belong to him and god himself shall be with them and be their god god belongs to them so all, all the way through from from psalms from from exodus really to revelation we have this theme that that god belongs to us and we belong to god there's this this ownership that is there. So God is a covenant-keeping God. He's given us his name. He's given us his, his personal name, and it's revealed much about himself. He wants us to know him. He belongs to us. He's, he's David's God. He's my God. I, I trust he's your God. And then he is light. He's my light. And there's something, something cool about light. Um, it, it helps us see, for one thing. I, I like seeing. I like seeing all of you. Um, I guess most of you, some of you, no, never mind. 
<laughs> I, I, I do enjoy seeing all of you out there. Um, I, I enjoy seeing when I'm on my way back to the cabin at night, although there's, there's this one light post that um, is out on the way back to my cabin. And it's, my cabin back, back of the wilds is, is a good way back in the woods. It's, it's past the, the new barn. There's, there's not really much light around. There's, there's this, this kind of long gravel road. And right at the corner, there's, there's a light post. But then with this, this other light out on the way, I, I can be walking down that road and I, I can't see my feet. I can't see the road. I can't see the grass. It's kind of fun. So one of the things I, I enjoy doing is I'll get up to the barn where, where it starts getting dark and then I'll start running straight straight through the dark because there's there's that light at the end that I can see. And I actually pretty pretty confident that that no one stuck a big old rock in the middle of the road because I wouldn't see it. But it's it's kind of exhilarating to to run toward that light at the end. I wouldn't be able to do it with the, without the light at the end, but I can I can at least see where I'm going. Um, and sometimes I, I feel like our, our Christian life is is kind of like that. We can't can't really see where we're going, but we have an end goal. And we have to trust that um, someone who, who knows what he's doing has made a, a level path for us. Uh, and actually, at, at the end of Psalm 27, David says, there's, you're going to, you, you lead me in a, in a plain path, verse, verse 11. Um, so so God, God does that for us. He, he makes our path level. Um, but here in verse 1, he's our light. He, he helps us to be able to see um first first timothy 6 16 says that god uh is immortal invisible and he dwells in unapproachable light this this light is also a picture of how god is majestic and and holy he you, we can't come close to him in our sinfulness uh genesis going going back to the beginning um what's the first thing that, that god created it's light Right in in the beginning, God God created the heavens and the earth, and God said, "Let there be light." And there was light. The the first thing that that God does as a creative light act is He makes light, so we can see. It's it's a very powerful picture of of what He is. John says God is light. Um, it's, and then you you follow this uh, another pattern that we can follow all the way through Scripture. I'm I'm going back to Revelation 21. Um, I, I hope you are, are good on your, on your page turning and I really, really feel bad for anyone who has an electronic Bible right now. That's, that's a lot of back and forth. If you, if you have a paper Bible, you can just, you know, keep your finger there, but yeah, that's why, that's why paper, but paper Bibles are nice. Anyway, that's, that's for free. Revelation 21 verse 22. Uh, I'm actually going to read down through uh chapter 22 verse 5 because I, I want you to see this how how this this theme continues john says i saw no temple therein that is in the in the holy city um, for the lord god almighty and the lamb are the temple in it and the city has no need of the sun neither of the moon to shine on it shine in it for the glory of god did lighten it and the lamb is the light thereof. God's still the light of the city. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. They can see where they're going. They understand and know God. So they can walk confidently. They, they know who their God is. 
and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor in it, into it, and the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it, and there shall in no wise enter in, into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abominations or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. And he showed me a pure river of crystal, uh, a, a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it and on either side of the river, there was a tree of life, which bare 12 manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. There shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face and his name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no, no night there. And they will need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. God is our light. God's our light now to, to guide us in how, how we should walk. But at the end of the story, and like we were talking about this morning in Romans 8, when, when we're glorified, when we reach the destination that God wants us to, to reach, then God will really be our light literally be our light by by him we'll see absolutely everything so when i when i read here in psalm 27 that god god is my light and my salvation wow that that reminds me of where we're going that that makes me excited because one day i'm i'm going to live with god one day i'm going to do everything i do because god is who he is literally because god is light so everything i do I, I can't do it without, without God. It's a very, very clear picture of that. There's, there's no sun, no moon, no candles, no flashlights, no headlights. It's, it's all the light from God that enables me to do everything that I do in heaven. And in a, in a, in a similar way, as I go about my life now, everything I do should be because of who God is. I should be able to, to tie my reasons for doing everything I do back to the character of God. Because by his light, we see light. So the, the, the structure of this, by the way, is, is sort of more like a, a public meditation. Um, we're just stopping on, on thoughts and pausing on them for a while. Um, yeah, it's... It's, it's kind of slow, but it's, it's how I enjoy doing it. So we'll move on to the next thought. Um, God is my salvation. Um, you'll, you'll notice he doesn't say God is my savior. It is true. God is the one who saves us. But what he says is important. He says God is actually my salvation. That's a, that, that's a noun. He's, he's the one who rescues me, but he rescues me by his character. He, he comes in and because I have God, I'm safe. Um, you remember what Jesus says in, in Matthew 10. He says, don't, don't fear the one who can kill the body, but not the soul. Fear, fear him who can cast both body and soul into, into hell. There's, there's damage that we can suffer that doesn't harm us eternally. Um, and if we're saved, that, that's the only damage we can suffer because God has us securely. He, he is our salvation. 
um, kind of tying into the, the next idea here, God is the, the strength of my life. The, the idea behind strength there is literally a strong place. It's, it's somewhere that is, that is strong, someone who can, who can keep uh, any, any enemies, any, any threats to my security at bay. God is, God is my salvation. He's my stronghold. Uh, he's my strength. He, he guards my soul. He, he has a vested interest in me, in protecting me, because his name's at stake. Um, if, if anything happens to me, people can say, God, you didn't come through. You're not, you're not good because you didn't take care of this, this one who belongs to you. So if God's name is at stake in, in my well-being, and God's very concerned for his glory, that gives me even more confidence that God is going to actually take care of me. He's not going to let something damage me eternally. He's not, he's not going to bring anything into my life that isn't, isn't good. It may look bad, but one of the things my, my dad likes to say, and I'll, I'll repeat it, is that God only ever lets the right, wrong things happen. So we, so we take a little bit of time to meditate on, on who our God is, because that's what David does first. And then he addresses the realities around him. Not until he's looked at who his God is, but he, he does take some time and say, okay, I, I do have a problem here. Um, I have these, these enemies, they're coming after me. Actually, they're, they're trying to eat up my flesh. They, I have this, this army that's encamping against me. There's there's war. So those are my problems. Um, I'll talk about them after I talk about my God, but I do have these problems. Um, but after he's, after he's already reminded himself of, of who his God is, these, these problems don't, don't look as bad anymore. He, he's trained his mind to think about God first, to think about God being biggest and, and the, the greater reality. And then the, this, this other reality, which is a big reality of people trying to kill him, it, it falls into place underneath who God is. Okay, okay, my, my God is, is a stronghold. My God is my salvation. He, he's my light. He'll, he'll show me where I need to walk, what I need to do. There's nothing that's going to happen to me that's outside of his control. So though the host in camp against me, my heart's not going to be afraid. I'm, I'm not going to fear it's, it's nothing I need to be, you know, all uptight about and, and worried about because, because God is who he is. Um, though the war rises against me, I'm going to be confident, not just, not just not fearing, but, but confident. I can, I can walk with my head high. I can, I can live in expectation of God doing something. And we can live in expectation of God doing something with, with our lives. Um, you, know, you were. Barbara, you were, you were talking about how um, God God came through with you just in a, in a simple way with with propane. That's and and if he if he hadn't, it would have been been good. But he did, and that was that was good too. Um, God God wants the best for our for our lives. These these other circumstances that come into our lives, um, they they all come from God's hand. Uh, he he doesn't tempt us with evil, but he does bring bring and allow suffering into our lives. Again, like like we talked about this morning, for a purpose. 
So there's no, no matter how badly enemies want to hurt me and, and annihilate me, eat, eat me up, like the, the text says, they can only go so far. They can only, they can only do what God allows them to do because he is who he is. The, the concept here that, that we're getting at is the concept of fear. Um, Matyr describes fear as, no, sorry, not Matyr, Manser. Matyr is the guy I read Psalms for. Manser wrote a dictionary of Bible themes. Manser says the fear is a, a concern that comes from, from a threat to one's future. It's, it's deciding what is going to be more real. That's, that's the idea behind the, the fear of God. You are, you are recognizing that there's a circumstance that has a, has a very big impact on my safety, my, my well-being. And with, with something that's, that's dangerous, um, we normally recoil from that danger. Fear causes us to, us to distance ourselves. From the thing that we fear with God, it's different with God. We, we fear him. We recognize that our, our well-being is intricately tied to this being. And that fear actually is a fear that causes us to draw close. Because we, if we run, run away from God, that is, that is an action that is going to result in um, a detriment to our well-being. We, we draw close to God. And that is the, the response of fear fear toward God. So, so what do we fear more? This, this is the question that David asks himself before he ever puts his pen to paper. What do I fear more, my God or my circumstances? But if I fear my God more, he is what I'm going to think about first. I'm going to remind myself of who my God is. If I fear my circumstances more, I'm going to start dwelling on them, meditating on them. When, when we're under stress, we're always meditating about something. Because um, our, our minds... They, they don't like to stay inactive. Um, whatever's, whatever's the biggest concern to us, whatever is most real to us, that's what we're going to be thinking about and, and rehearsing over and, my mind, over, and over in our minds. Um, for me right now, it, it would be, you know, what, what am I going to do after, I, after I'm done working at the black? That's coming up in, in two weeks. And I, I find myself often thinking, you know, what, so I, I put an application here. I, I've heard back from this place. I haven't heard back from like all the rest of these places. Um, I could, maybe I could work there. And then I, I have to stop and remind myself, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yes, be, be concerned, be, be diligent about looking for these things. But remember, God, God is a sovereign God. God has started a work in my life that, that he wants to finish. So he's, he's gonna use all these circumstances God, God loves to, to use people who are, who are humble and broken. And, and this is a circumstance where, where my own wisdom isn't going to come through. So I, I need to humble myself, submit myself to God's plan. And by the time I, I'm done, done going through all that thought process, I, I'm, I'm not really worrying about you know, where I'm, where I'm going to work in two weeks anymore because I've reminded myself what's of what God is doing, of who God is and, and how I relate to him. My, my circumstances are still there. I still don't know what I'm going to do, but it's, it's not as big of a deal because I know who God, my God is. 
And that's something I have to do. You know, this is this is a repetition thing. This is something I have to train myself to do, to, to come back and remind myself of who God is. Um, but we can do it. By the power of God's spirit, we can we can train ourselves to think the way God has told us to think, to start with who he is. So we can train our minds. We can also train our hearts, our affections. And this this one, you know, say so you, know, you can train your mind, yeah, you can train your affections, yeah. But when you when I actually talk to people about this, especially um my campers, sometimes we we'd have discussions like this over the summer. So you you can choose what you love and say, no, love's a feeling. Like you like love is just something that kind of happens to you. You can't really help it. You go, okay, well, you're wrong, but let's talk about it. <laughs> because the love, love is ultimately a, a choice. It's it's not it's not an emotion that comes over us. Um, we love is love is choosing to devote yourself to something choosing to take delight in something or or someone um that's it's where addictions have their power because the the person who's who's subject to to an addiction has has chosen to commit themselves to 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 take delight in this this substance or this this activity more than more than anything else in the world it's it's a love that destroys but when we when we turn our affections where they should be turned we we direct our affections to god that is the love that fulfills and brings life so so david uh, he uses very you know affectionate emotional language to to describe what he's seeking after here in verse verse four, he says, one thing I have desired of the Lord, I have, I have longed for this, that I will seek after. I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. He says, there's, there's one, one thing that I've, that I've desired. The, the phrase that comes to mind um, when I read one thing is actually from Kierkegaard. Um, he wrote a book entitled Purity of Heart is to Will One Thing. And that's, that's kind of the, the springboard. I, I haven't necessarily read that book, but the, the title intrigues me because that, that ties this, this longing for one thing to, to purity of heart. And I, I think he has a good point there that, that those who are pure in heart are those who are undivided. Um, James speaks of the, the double-minded man who's, who's unstable in all, all his ways. Why is, why is he unstable? Because he loves two different things. And Jesus says you can't serve two masters. So he's, he's walking a, a tightrope. He's walking two tightropes that are going apart. Uh, we had to tear down a, a, tight, a, a ropes course at the Wilds of New England that, that does that exact same thing. Starts, starts narrow. And, and then by the time you get to the end, it's, it's, like 10 feet apart and you can't you can't walk it anymore because these these two affections go different directions they lead to different destinations and at some point you have to make a choice between the two of them so those those who are pure in heart they, they love only one thing and they don't have that problem because they only have one goal they're they're chasing after a, a single a single thing 
Jesus says in Matthew 5, Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. They, they're chasing after one, one thing. They have one goal. They're going to get there. They're, they're going to reach their goal because they only have one goal, and that's to see God. They want to understand and know God. And Jesus says they, they will be blessed. They will, they will accomplish that thing that they're seeking after because they are, they are undivided in their focus. I, I have a lot of campers come through that have divided focuses. Uh, they're, and sometimes they don't, even, they don't even recognize it. They're just, they're just confused about you know, what, why, don't, why don't I really have this desire to love God if they ask themselves. I'm, ask, I'm asking myself, why don't you have a desire to ask God, to, to love God? I have to ask myself sometimes, why don't I have a desire to, to love God when, when I'm just spiritually not, not doing well? Like what, what other affections are competing with God? Because that's, that's always the problem. If I don't love God properly, then A, I, I don't understand who God is. I need to remind myself of who my God is. And, and B, there's something else that's competing for my affection. So identifying those, it's, it's not that hard to identify, actually. It's, it's what we think about most. The things, the things that occupy our mind, the thing that, that come to mind when we don't have anything else to do, we don't have anything else to think about. Those are the things that we love most. I, and and these, these campers, it's sometimes interesting to, to hear them talk about you know, what, what consumes their attention. Um, for for some of them, it's it's their their games, their video games. Um, that I, I had one camper one time who was, who was a a coach, a video game coach. This 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 was his life. I was thinking, man. I mean, you're you're really good at it, but this is this is clearly taking your your affection away from away from God. You. You can't love both of these things at the same time. You can't love this as much as you do as you do, and still chase after God. And he, he was pretty apathetic. Uh, he he didn't didn't really want to grow because because this is what he was devoting himself to. Um, I have a lot of campers actually who for them it's 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 their their sports. They have this this desire to to go on and be this this great athlete. Uh, they, they spend all their free time practicing or drilling or scrimmaging, and and they they have this, this goal, this almost a single-minded goal. They, they have purity of heart, but it's for the wrong thing. They're chasing the wrong goal. And for, for all of them, if they, if they don't realize that and, and switch their affections, which again, is a, a training thing. You can't just be walking along. Oh, I'm going to love this. No, no, it's, it's, it's a heart change. It, it takes a lot of effort to, to change your affections to something else. But it is a choice, and when we, when we're divided in our affections, or when we're pursuing the wrong thing entirely, um, that's that's a choice that that we we are in desperate need of. So, as, as I have to do, I, I would encourage you to do, just take take inventory of of where your infections are from time to time, uh, especially from those in, in those times when you know, you're in a, you're in a spiritual low you're struggling to spend time with God. You're, you're struggling to pray or, or to have meaningful spiritual conversations. Just stop and take inventory. Where, where are my affections? What am I chasing after? What is it that I'm, I'm thinking about or 
or pursuing or devoting myself to. They might be good things, but if if they are things that divide our affection away from God, we need to reevaluate what it is that we love. David David says, I've I've desired just just one thing. But what is it that he that he desires? It's it's not it's not two things, but it's one thing with a couple different aspects. He says, first, I I want to dwell. I want to dwell in the house of house of God. I want to come into God's presence. And this is this is what's promised again in Revelation twenty one. We are we're already there. Um, a loud voice from heaven says, "Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man." This if our desire is to dwell with God and be in his presence, that's a desire that will be fulfilled and it will be fulfilled abundantly. It will be fulfilled completely. Um, if, if we're pursuing that relationship with God, you can be sure God's going to pursue that relationship with us. Uh, James chapter four, again, draw near to God. What's he going to do? He's going to draw near to you. It's, because God, God wants that relationship with us. Because that's why he, that's the whole reason He created us is, is to know us and love us and have this relationship. So David, David has his heart in the right place when he says, "I want to be in God's presence." That's kind of the idea behind the, the believer being the, the tabernacle, the temple of the Holy Holy Spirit. We we are a place where where God comes and and God has fellowship with us. We, we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. We, we always have God's presence. And if, again, if, if we're gonna, if we desire to, to meet with God, we start chasing after God, we'll find him. God will, God will be found by those who, who diligently seek him. And David, David's one desire is to, to dwell with God, to, to be in God's presence. And that, it does require some effort. Um, we, we meet God in his word. Again, this, this is where God's spoken. So if you want to spend time in God's presence, this is where you got to do it. But not just, not just spend time there. He also says, I, I want to gaze. I, I, want to, I want to take time, step back, and, and ponder something. What does he want to ponder? He wants to ponder the, the beauty of God. I wonder if you've ever thought about God's beauty. I, I have a bit of a, a head start on that one because my, my dad wrote uh, a paper for one of his seminary degrees on, on beauty and beauty as it relates to us understanding God. So I, I got to hear um, we had some interesting dinner table discussions. We'll just put it at that. But, but God, God being a, a beautiful God, what, what does that even mean? I and mean, God, God is God is spirit. How can a spirit be beautiful? And I, I think part of the answer uh, might be in Zechariah 9. Uh, as I was looking into this some. Um, Zechariah 9 verses 16 through 17. Zechariah says, uh, the Lord God shall save them in that day as the flock of his people. They shall be as stones of a crown lifted up as an ensign upon his land. For how great is his goodness and how great is his 
beauty. So Zechariah goes from saying God's going to God's going to save his people to saying God is a, a beautiful God. How can you say that? Well, I, I think that God's goodness is tied to his salvation. And, and what do we spend the morning service meditating on, thinking about? God's salvation. So we, whether we were doing it intentionally or not, thinking in terms of God's beauty, when we think about what God has done for us in saving us, that is one way in which we can meditate on God's, God's beauty, even the, the beauty of his, his sovereignty in, in putting this whole plan together. It's, it's orderly. It's, it's beautiful. This, this whole plan of salvation is, is a beautiful thing. Um, learning to not just, not just remind yourself of, of the facts of what God did, but to, to delight in them, to, to overflow with joy and, and gratitude for just how how much God has done and, and how how well he he did it, how well he is doing it. Um, we you know we're, we're astounded all the time at, at some of the things that, that God does. Um, and we should be because God God does them in, in a way that is is worthy of being astounded. In another way, we almost shouldn't be surprised that God works in surprising ways. And yet it's still good to be surprised because God, I, I, I kind of think that, that God delights to make us delighted. Um, we understand that with, with young children, right? If we, if, we can, if we can do something that makes them giggle or, or squeal or surprises them, it, it can be a silly thing. But it, it, you know, it, it touches our, our emotions somehow. It, we, we, we brought joy into this person's life. And I, I, I sometimes think God's some, somewhat of the same way with us. He, he brings something good into our lives. He, ultimately, he, he saves us and he reconciles us to himself. That's, that's a beautiful thing. And he, he delights in doing that. David responds with with joy um down in verse six he says i I will sing sing praises unto lord i'll I'll offer in his sacrifices in in his his tabernacle sacrifices of joy his his response flows out of a heart that is that is full his affections are where they ought to be he's recognized that god is a beautiful god and he responds in praise that's why singing um Good singing is a good indicator of affections being in the right place. Um, that's why it's, why it's such a, a joy for me to, to sing with people who, who love their God, because it, it flows out of, out of the heart. <laughs> so as we, as we look, at, look at Psalm 27 and, and what, what David's going through, what David's going through here is, is probably harder than what, what some of us are going through. Some of us might be going through something that's harder than what David's going through. But regardless, um, David had confidence because he understood who he got, who his God was. He had trained his mind to think about his God first. And he has trained his heart to seek first the things that matter, the things that are worth loving and seeking after. And, that, and that's what we need to do. Regardless of whether we're going through something hard now 
or whether it's something hard that we're going to go through later that we don't know about. Uh, this is this is a principle that, that holds true for all of life. We we train ourselves, especially especially when life is easier. We train our, our mind to think in certain ways. We train our heart to love in certain things in certain ways, so that this these difficult things come and we're not we're not shaken by them. We're not thrown all over the ground by the things that come at us because we have we have this confidence that's rooted in knowing and loving our God. Let's pray again tonight. Our Father, you are a, a beautiful God. You have given us so much revelation about yourself. And you have, you have revealed yourself to be absolutely worthy of our worship and our praise. We pray that we would fill our minds with, with who you are so you would be the greatest reality in our lives to fill our hearts with who you are so we might not be drawn away to love things that are not worth loving bless us this week uh, help us to reflect your son well and accurately um, so that you might be glorified through us for it's in christ's name we pray Amen.